Welcome to Common Home Conversations Beyond UN75, a series by the Planetary Podcast. In Common Home Conversations, you will hear from leading global experts on how the proposal of recognizing the existence of an intangible global common without borders can change our relationship with our planet. The Common Home of Humanity has proposed an ambitious new global pact for the environment. The adverse effects of climate change span across borders and beyond territories. Recognizing the Earth system as a common heritage of humankind is the first step in restoring a stable climate, a visible manifestation of a well-functioning Earth system. This proposal's cascading effects would be systemic and tremendously impact international relations and economics, opening the doors to restoring a well-functioning Earth system. Common Home Conversations is the place to discuss a new social contract between society, economy, and the Earth system. Now, here is your host, founder and CEO of the Planetary Press, Kimberly White. Hello and welcome to Common Home Conversations. Today we are joined by Professor Kim Song-hyup, founder of the Coalition for Our Common Future, president of the Jeju Research Institute, and visiting professor at the Graduate School of Green Growth at KAIST. Thank you for joining us today. So you were appointed as the Blue House Future Vision Secretary in 2008 and contributed to Korea's historic low-carbon green growth vision. Later in 2011, you became the Senior Secretary to the President for Green Growth. Please tell us more about these experiences. Yeah, well... uh... To make a long story short, the, the low carbon green growth was a new a paradigm of Korea. And the idea is very simple. To, uh, it is about combating climate change very aggressively and ambitiously, and also transforming the challenges by climate change into new opportunities. We thought we could have a, a double digit trillion opportunities by achieving low carbon green growth worldwide, not to mention Korea. And it was announced in the year 2008 in celebration of the Korea's National Independence Day. That was 15th of August. But only a month later, if you remember it, the Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy. And then the global financial crisis began all around the world. So only a month later, after the the proclamation of low carbon green growth of Korea, many people said Korea would be the fastest thinking ship even before it started the new national vision. But however, the president of Korea at the time, Mr. Lee Myung-bak, thought differently. We forfeit with the uh, New Deal projects. That at the time, it was about 50 billion scale stimulus package. But that was to prepare the future low carbon infrastructure. It was about creating resilient water infrastructure. It was about creating green energy infrastructure, and transport structure. By exercising that large-scale uh, stimulus package in the name of Green New Deal, we uh, created 
more than 700,000 uh, job creation effects, and also uh, it created a great enhancement of uh, green technology competitiveness. But what was really important at the time, we, by doing, by exercising that Green uh, New Deal measure, we set up a, a target for the first time throughout the Korean industrial history, a target to cut uh, greenhouse emission that was minus 4% cut by the year 2020. And throughout the Green New Deal, New Deal, Korea could reduce the emission growth rate from 10% that was in the year 2010. In the year 2012, it went down almost zero. That was remarkable achievement. And besides that, we also tried to institutionalize green growth, not to be hindered by the political regime change. So we laid out very important legal frameworks, a basic act for uh, low carbon green growth, an act for green buildings, act for uh, smart grid. And more than anything else, we made a legal framework for emission trading scheme. That was the first time of its kind in Asia. That was later on followed by China. And and also, we try to institutionalize our green growth efforts. That's how we came up with a new international organization, Global Green Growth Institute, that was initiated by Korea and many countries of like-minded group. And it became a full-blown, uh, full-fledged international organization these days. And also, we could host the headquarters of GCF, the one of the very important new architecture of UN. GCF stands for Green Climate Fund. We competed with Germany and Switzerland, but happily we hosted the headquarters of GCF. So we institutionalized and we internationalized green growth during the period of my service at the Blue House. But Always politics matter. After the political regime change, the uh, the succeeding government didn't seem to like the green growth very much, so it didn't continue well, and the emission growth rate began to go up. That's a happy story. But I will tell you later, but we have a Green New Deal again facing the uh, pandemic crisis. So I do think we still have a hope. Yeah, that's how I remember our efforts during the term. I worked for the uh, public community in Korea. Well, that's really impressive. I think a lot of us can relate to the regime change when environmental efforts aren't necessarily always supported. And we must have that political will to recognize climate change and take action because it is affecting all of us. So it's essential without a doubt. So you are also the founder of the Coalition for Our Common Future. Can you tell us more about this initiative? Yeah, thank you very much for asking that question. Uh, you know, our common future itself is the title of the very famous report, which is the Brundtland Report on Sustainability. 
that was back in 1987, more than 40 years ago. So the uh, our common future is widely known subject to many people in the world. But the coalition of our common future reflects the idea that our efforts should be interconnected all around the world. The dots should be connected. That's why I put the name coalition, solidarity, whatever you may say. So we need more cooperation around the world. That's the meaning of the social entity for our common future. And there are two important signature projects, or you can call it lighthouse projects. One is Green Big Bang projects. The idea is to have green energy, green mobility, and green technology work together in a very interoperable way and to move faster and bigger. That's for uh, uh, creating new industrial ecosystem in a low-carbon manner. The other important project is the project for young generation. We call it Boys from the Young. Because I do believe young generations are the real stakeholders of this era. And we are trying to empower young generations and give them chances to be a, a real stakeholders and hopefully decision makers. And Climate Scout is one of the projects reflecting that spirit. We are nurturing university students and support those young students to help younger people, I mean, uh, elementary school students through learning relay process. That's one of the projects uh, of Coalition for Our Common Future is doing. And I think that is exactly in line with the initiative of the CHH, Common Home of Humanity. Well, I love what you're doing, and I think we see the youth really speaking up these days. So it's great that you're working with them and working with them on climate and empowering them for those future decisions. That's really fantastic. So how would the proposal from the Common Home of Humanity help achieve these goals and contribute to the realization of a sustainable future? You know, when somebody breaks into your home, then he should get some penalty. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. if somebody breaks into your home and then he will be heavily penalized. But yeah, I, I, I truly think that the, the, the Earth system is our home and the idea is really appealing. Well, the uh, diplomatic uh, negotiations on climate change began uh, since 1995 in the name of Conference of Parties that was held in Berlin, in Germany. And I attended the, the Conference of Parties since the, the Copenhagen Climate Summit in Denmark in 2009. I have never missed that annual Conference of Parties on climate change. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. But, but during those 25 years long, diplomacy on climate change. Yeah, we have a Paris Agreement on climate change. That is a really remarkable thing. But 
to my sorrow, with that agreement, our global greenhouse gas emission still is increasing. This year is an exception due to the coronavirus, maybe about 6 or 7% minus. It is not because we made a right political choice. It is just because the pandemic we didn't invite. Having said that, what is it? What does it mean at the conference of parties? What are the parties? Up to the international law and international system, the parties are just nation state, sovereign nation state. And let's think about it. Our sovereign nation states are truly, truly interested in combating global climate change? Maybe and maybe not. But if you look at the history, nation states were born to protect self-interest, self-territory, something like that. It is not designed to combat the global commons, such as climate change. So we need a new approach. And that's why I strongly buy the spirit of the, the CHH, the common home of humanity, embracing global commons as our true common problem. So in that regard, this is the very high time for us to give a serious thought to give sovereign subjects on the earth system itself. We must give legal entity to our planet. Yes, so that's the uh, virtue of the CHH, I think. It's not going to be easy at all, but we should do it. We must overcome this kind of respective individual self-interest of national actors around the world by having broader, bigger, comprehensive concept. That is, my eyes, what CHH is trying to achieve. Absolutely. And I think with the climate crisis and now COVID-19, we see that these big global issues, they don't recognize borders. They don't recognize territories. So it's essential that we have a legal framework that recognizes our Earth system, not something that's so divided up. So speaking of climate change, can you tell us how the climate crisis is impacting Korea, and can you share some examples of what you're seeing? Yeah, of course. Uh, in, in, in general, uh, the Korea's temperature rise is about two times higher than the world average. And the sea level rise is also about two times higher than the world average. And Jeju, in which I am living, is exposing the very vivid, dramatic case of climate change that is affecting Korea. Well, I wonder if you heard about the binary name, Abyss Koreana, which is a kind of Korean Christmas tree. Those trees are growing largely. Lots of uh, Korean Christmas trees are growing in the Hala Mountain of Jeju. And many countries are, uh, are really uh, in pond of Korean-style Christmas tree, which is a kind of needle-leaf tree. But 
Personally, I was really shocked to learn many of Korean Christmas are dying. They are withering away due to climate change. It was a very shocking uh, graphic story, which I recently came to learn. And about a month ago, that I, I uh, experienced typhoons, Korean type, which is a Korean hurricane. Within just 10 days, I experienced three-time Korean typhoon. And one of the strongest one was known as Maiza. And just in one day, just in one day, the amount of rainfall was more than 1,000 millimeter. In some part of Jeju area, the rainfall was amounted to 1,000 millimeter, which is more than half of the annual rainfall in Korea. Yes, we are experiencing extreme case of weather due to climate change. And another thing, you are living in Florida, right? Yes. And Jeju has a very wonderful seaside. We have a wonderful sea around Jeju Island. But due to also climate change, the under the sea, the, 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 we are witnessing. You know, for, for your information, Korea belongs to mild temperature climate regions. But nowadays, Korea is turning into semi-tropical regions. And in case of Jeju, under the sea, frankly, I'd never been a dive, a dive under the sea, but according to skin divers, under the sea, we are seeing kind of tropical marine scene under the sea due to the climate change. In sum, Jeju is turning into tropical area. And according to the recent IPCC report, IPCC, as you know, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, from the mid-21st century, this century, there will be no winter in Jeju. We are going to have a long summer and very short spring and fall. Korea used to have a very clear-cut four seasons. Spring, summer, fall, and winter. Fall is my favorite season, but we are going to no longer enjoy the clear-cut four seasons anymore. That's so sad. Yeah, that's what I'm experiencing. No, that is sad. I used to live in Alaska, so I've seen drastic climate change in both Alaska and Florida. And you mentioned the Christmas trees. In Alaska, we've seen vast expanses of spruce trees die because of spruce bark beetles, and the reason for that is climate change. As the winters became milder, it allowed the insects to flourish and expand their territory. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. How, how is the sea in Florida? Is there a coral? Okay, the, is, it, is it now turning white? Or how is the seaside? How is the sea of... Florida, where you live. Well, we're seeing some coral bleaching and we're seeing some other major impacts as well with increased frequency of hurricanes and flooding. Sea level rise is a major issue here. Some studies have indicated that Florida has more to lose from sea level rise than anywhere else in the country. And we're also seeing a big increase in algal blooms and that is caused by another big issue that we face here in Florida and that's nutrient pollution. And that's exacerbated by climate change. Come to think of it, I am now interviewing you. I am conducting an interview with you. 
<laughs> I know, we switched spots here. What happened? Well, let's get back into what you're seeing. During the Korean National Assembly earlier this year, 98% of your nation's local governments declared a climate emergency, the largest declaration of its kind to date. What are your thoughts on this declaration, and how will this help drive climate action moving forward? Well, well, politicians are very good at speaking good words, but not very good at real actions. And I think that is not an exception in Korea. Well, as I briefly uh, told you earlier, Korea came up with a very large-scale New Deal projects in the name of Korea's New Deal. That is more than 100 billion U.S. dollar scale. And almost half of them is about Green New Deal. I, I call it second round of Green New Deal. But up till now, the Green New Deal has no emission reduction target yet. It only aspired to go with the uh, net zero carbon of the international community. So I would be really happy if the, uh, the Korean government, along with the National Assembly, come up with a real target for the Green New Deal. That's what I like to see. That's where I, I would love to join. As the head of the UN, Mr. Guterres rightly pointed out, the substantial solution to this pandemic is to create clean and green transition for our sustainable future. So in that regard, we, not just Korean lawmakers or congressmen, all of us should come up with a real target that is aligned with the net zero global goals. That's what I like to see. Absolutely. And I think worldwide, we need to see that. So I know that you dove into this a little bit earlier, but I want to get back into it because I think what you're working on is such a unique initiative. In your role as president of Jeju Research Institute, you've been working on some new green policy. Can you tell us what the Green Big Bang is and what you're hoping to accomplish? Yes, I, 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 I'm working with closely with the Jeju governor, Won Hyeryeong, for that. And... Uh, the idea of Green Big Bang, as I told you, is very simple. We just need to move faster and bigger than now. Like a Big Bang, like Big Bang, the birth of the universe. So we really should be really, really fast and aggressive and ambitious. And Jeju is the case. Jeju is, has set up carbon-free island by the year 2030. Here, what I mean carbon-free is simply the same as carbon neutral. And how can we achieve that? We are, Gojeju is going to replace all the vehicles into electric vehicles and eco-friendly vehicles. In Jeju, more than 300,000 Vehicles are running in Jeju, and to achieve that, in the year 2030, international, uh, internal combustion engines will be prohibited. New registry of the internal combustion engine will be banned. 
and we are going to uh, produce all the energy with renewables. Yes, 100 renewables. That was announced at the Paris Climate Summit. And throughout the Green Big Bang, uh, audacious efforts during those five years, there are more than 20,000 electric vehicles are now running in Jeju. It started from almost a scratch. And the uh, renewable energy uh, penetration rate is, is about 15%. We can say that numbers are not enough to accomplish carbon zero by 2030. But that's why we are so glad to see another round of Green New Deal. Throughout this opportunity, about 10 US billion dollars will be invested including private investment. And new technologies and new approaches will be applied. For example, we are going to introduce V2G next year. V2G means vehicle to grid. And Jeju, we have uh, developed a smart grid system. And if we introduce V2G, vehicle to grid, then the electric vehicle will upload electricity when the uh, electricity tariff is high, playing as a kind of peak time management player. And when the electricity tariff is low, then the electric vehicle will download the electricity from the grid. So that's how you uh, strike a balance in a green way. And also, uh, we are, Jeju is going to uh, build a uh, infrastructure for new mobility, etc. And there are many, many stories i like to share with you, but that would be too lengthy. But by taking the advantage of the Korea's Green New Deal, Jeju is going to be a new frontier for carbon-free or carbon-neutral, not zero carbon society. Yeah, that's what Green Big Bang in Jeju is about. Wow, that is very impressive. I'm interested in the vehicle to grid. I think that sounds really cool. And this is definitely something I think we need to see a lot more of. So you guys are really leading the way. Well, well Korea is rather good at moving fast. So once we really set up a good direction, I am sure Korea, Korea can move fast. And Korea has developed very uh, good digital and, and ICT technologies. This is a time when energy and mobility meet together with the, that kind of IT technologies. And I think Korea can do that if it's really determined and set a kind of example for the world community. And to do that, as you pointed out, political will does matter. We can mobilize, we should, and we can mobilize all the resources. Excellent. Yeah, I think it's great and definitely an example for the global community to follow. I'm excited to see how everything plays out and to follow your work on Jeju Island. The next question I have is on the common home of humanity. What do you think the Global Pact for the Environment should address? And in your opinion, how will the proposal from the common home of humanity better address the climate crisis? Well, as you know well, there is no global central authority. There is no global uh, hierarchy. 
to deal with this kind of unprecedented existential challenge that is climate change. And having said that, yeah, we have a Paris Agreement. That is great. Even a professor, an expert like Daniel Yelgin, one of the most important experts on energy, he says the world history will be divided before Paris and after Paris. But my eyes, Paris Agreement is wonderful, but that's not enough. And we should integrate all the important parts of environmental agenda. So that's the, the beauty of Global Environment Act, and which, to my eyes, should go beyond the borders, as you mentioned. But if you look at the reality of the polit- international political system that is governed by sovereign nation states, it is not easy at all to achieve that global environmental pact. That's why the movement led by civil society like CATH is really important. So at this moment, I think let the citizens of the world know much better and much deeper about the initiative, about the cause of the CHH, including the media you are in charge of. The world is scattered, and the role of CHH is to integrate those scattered scattered dots together and to raise public global awareness is really important at this stage. And to my knowledge, it is uh, aligned with the UN 75 movement. It's, uh, it's a good sign. It's a good sign. So two years later, maybe at 2022, we are going to celebrate that meaningful Stockholm conference. Looking at the time span, then we should persuade every member of the UN, and not just UN, but all the citizens of the world to know better the CHH. And to achieve the goal, I think the planetarization of consciousness is truly important. And to achieve that, we may need a kind of new school for planetary consciousness. Seven years ago in Korea, we set up a graduate school of green growth in KAIST. KAIST is one of the best universities, not just in Korea, but in East Asia. But that's just the beginning. I like to see CHH exercise more properly in terms of the global public awareness. And I will be in line with that. And early November, we are going to hold the Jeju Forum, which is quite uh, well known in, in Asia. And throughout the Jeju Forum, I'm going to uh, organize a session for the CHH and also for the Coalition for Our Common Future. In other words, simply put, we must cooperate together in the end to achieve that global environmental pact. I don't think it will be resolved in this decade. It may require two or three more decades to achieve that global treaty 
global pact. Anyway, somehow we right now. If not now, then when? Okay, that's how I view, and I I I, I greatly greatly admire the uh, efforts being done by the CHH, including the planetary media, the CEO Kim White. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that and for your efforts as well. So before we go, do you have anything else you'd like to share with our audience? Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, let me let me remind you the famous line that was done several decades ago. He said, "If not now, then when? And if not us, then who? Yeah, that's the line I like to remind you. Let's do it together. All right, and there you have it. History shows us that nation-states are born to protect the self-interest of territory, not to combat issues such as climate change that impact our global commons. While it might not be easy, we need a broader, more comprehensive approach and a new legal framework that embraces our global commons, allowing us to face these unprecedented challenges together. That is all for today, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Common Home Conversations Beyond UN75. Please subscribe, share, and be sure to tune in next week to continue the conversation with our special guest, Hindu Ibrahim, President of the Association for Indigenous Women and Peoples of Chad. And visit us at www.theplanetarypress.com for more episodes and the latest news in sustainability, climate change, and the environment.